welcome to the Park Road Podcast for October 26, 2014. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon this morning is entitled, In God We Trust. This has been going on for more than 2,000 years, complaining about taxes, so they thought, why not bring this to Jesus? The tax here in the text we're talking about is not a duty on goods, but it's a poll tax, a direct administrative tax levied by the Roman government on the Jewish people. The coin is a denarius the daily wage of a worker. Jesus asks his opponents for a coin. He does not produce one of his own. One might presume he didn't have any. Jesus asks whose head, whose title are on the coin. The coin bears the image of the emperor a powerful message in a time and place much less image-saturated than our own culture today. And because of the Jewish prohibition on images, coins without human images had been minted for Jews to use. But these opponents of Jesus, Jewish leaders, have carried an image of the emperor into the temple. So Jesus says to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. And by placing God and the emperor in a parallel universe, Jesus also makes parallel their images, effectively asking them in his covert manner, but I'm afraid they were not with it enough to catch it. Essentially, he's asking, who bears the image of God? To whom do you belong? They weren't looking to Jesus as someone with whom to commiserate over their frustration about taxes. They were trying to trick him and to trap him. No matter his response, someone would be upset, and they wanted the plot to thicken so that they could pounce on him, but he would have none of that. So with a little crafty logic, Jesus turns the tables on them. You don't know whether you should pay your taxes or not? Well, whose image is on the money? Caesar's? Okay, that belongs to Caesar. Case closed. That settles it. Now, it's at this point in the scenario that any analogy and lesson to be learned in our modern world breaks down. See, that's what I love about the text is usually you can lift it right out of 2,000 years ago and plop it into our very lives, and it still, for the most part, makes sense but not this story to me. We went and messed things up by putting images of our presidents and God's name on all of our money. So if Jesus were here today 
And we started complaining about paying taxes and asked him what he thought. And he said to us, well, show me the money. With his follow-up question, whose image is on the money? Whose name is on the money? That will settle it for you. I can picture him kind of doing a double take. What happened? How did God's name get on that? Well, I'll tell you how. If you go to treasury.gov, you too will know how it got there. In the throes of the Civil War, our nation officially connected God with money in a way that would have stumped Jesus and should embarrass us. The motto, In God We Trust, was placed on the United States coins largely because of the increased religious sentiment existing during the Civil War. Secretary of the Treasury, Salmon P. Chase, received many, many appeals from devout persons throughout the country urging that the United States recognize the deity on United States money. From Treasury Department records, it appears that the first appeal came in a letter dated November the 13th, 1861. It was written to Secretary Chase by none other than the Reverend, of course, M.R. Watkinson, minister of the gospel from Ridleyville, Pennsylvania. And this is what the right Reverend had to say to the Minister of Treasury. Dear Sir, you are about to submit your annual report to the Congress respecting the affairs of national finances. One fact touching our currency has hitherto been seriously overlooked. Who talks like that? <laughs> I mean the recognition of the Almighty God in some form on our coins. You, sir, are probably a Christian. What if our republic were not shattered beyond reconstruction? Would not the antiquaries of succeeding centuries rightly reason from our past that we were a heathen nation? What I propose is that instead of the goddess of liberty, we shall have next inside 13 stars a ring inscribed with the words perpetual union. Within the ring, the all-seeing eye, crowned with a halo. Beneath this eye, the American flag, bearing in its field stars equal to the number of states united. I mean, he had really drawn this out. And in the folds of the bars, the words God, liberty, law. This would make a beautiful coin in which no possible citizen could object. That's crazy talk. Somebody's not going to like it. This would relieve us from the future, looking back to say that we are heathens. He closes with, From my hearth I have felt our national shame in disowning God as not the least of our present national disasters, to you first I address a subject that must be agitated. And agitated it was. 
As a result, Secretary Chase instructed James Pollock, the, the director of the Mint at Philadelphia, to prepare a motto in a letter that is dated November the 20th, 1861. Dear sir, no nation can be strong except in the strength of God or save except his defense. The trust of our people in God should be declared on our national coins. And thus, in 1864, the words, In God We Trust, first appeared on a two-cent coin. All of that wordiness was their way of saying, if we don't put In God We Trust on our money, in 2014, they're going to look back and think we were heathens. It seems that the way of Jesus is the opposite of that. Do you have to put it on your money to remind yourself? Maybe Jesus just asked the wrong question. Instead of that day, Jesus saying, hand me a coin, whose image is on the coin, whose face, whose name, maybe he should have said, hand me your heart, whose image is on you. One commentary said that perhaps the key question to preaching this passage isn't, after all, whose image is on the coin, but rather whose image is on us. Is it obvious, plain as day, to whom you belong? If people look at your life, can they see stamped all over you? In God I trust. Some years ago, I got a chance to travel to the Holy Land with a group of pastors from across the country, and our leader made one simple request for the entire two weeks that we were there. He asked us to wear an outward sign or symbol of our faith at all times. We were all Christian pastors entering a world where the convergence of faith, traditions, and practices were strong, simply by how they dressed. One would know if you were a devout Muslim or a devout Jew. But there was no distinct way to signal that we were Christian. So he asked us, each one, to wear a cross around our necks. He wanted it on the outside of our garments at all times, he felt that our pilgrimage journey would be enriched by our outward expression of our faith, a constant reminder in the land deemed holy who and whose we were. To whom do I belong was sealed for me each morning when I slipped a cross over my head and let the weight of it hang around my neck all day, every day. I had never been much of a cross wearer before. Since that time, I've collected a good many crosses to wear, to place around my house and in my office. I got one at the cathedral shop at Notre Dame. I wonder how much Jesus loves cathedral shops in sanctuaries. I got another one at the cathedral shop at 
St. James, the Cathedral of St. James in Santiago, Spain. I have the wooden one that was made for me and given to me on my first trip to Cuba, made from the trees on the property of our sister church there. I got a Jerusalem cross in Jerusalem. The guy got on the bus and started selling them, how you not buy that? And then many have been given to me across the years as gifts, so many that I've lost track of from whom and from where and for what occasion, but I treasure them all and I wear them frequently. What do we do about our taxes? Check the label. Caesar's on the money. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, to God's what is God's. So if anyone were to read your label, would it say property of God? Would your label say in God I trust? Or do you join me in wearing the cross around your neck and I even put my cross bracelet on to jingle the crosses around? Or do you wear the WWJD bracelets? What would Jesus do? If you do any of these things, you'd better be pretty careful because I fear that I misrepresent the label that I boast. The cross should hang heavy around my neck if I'm going to wear it. How in the world did the cross of Christ become delicate ornamental jewelry? How in the world did God's name get on our money? We've gotten things kind of messed up and turned around, if you ask me. The bumpers of our cars are what we need to profess the way of Jesus. My wrist my neck, it's everywhere. Are we trying to remind ourselves of who we are? Is it that easy for us to forget? There was a story going around Facebook this week that goes like this. Once upon a time, a mother made her son a wristband and on it was written, WWJD. What would Jesus do? This was a prized possession that she gave to her son. She instructed her son to look at the wristband before making any decision. His Christian life was to be guided by the wristband that she had lovingly made for him. Unlike a lot of sons, he did exactly what she said. A week later, she was shocked to see that her son had become friends with prostitutes. He was hanging out with sinners. He was even buying people who were already drunk another round of beers. Worse still, he had walked into their church the previous Sunday, tore down the bookstore, overturned the tables, threw the cash register through the window. He then made a whip and chased the pastor right out of the building, declaring he was turning God's house into a den of thieves. 
Most shocking was what happened when his mother went to picket the local abortion clinic. To her embarrassment, her son was also there, but he was standing with the women who had just had an abortion, and he yelled at his mother, you who are without sin cast the first stone. Well, this wasn't going at all like the mother had hoped. So she went to her son, she took back the WWJD bracelet and destroyed it, and she made him another one. This one said WWAPD. What would a Pharisee do? Since her son has been wearing the new wristband, looking at him, looking at it to help him make all of his decisions, he's become a dedicated tither. Praise God. No, seriously, that's good. <laughs> he makes all of his decisions, and so by, based on what would a Pharisee do, and now he's a public prayer warrior, an, actor, an active condemner of sinners, a passionate defender of the old covenant law, and he has a great reputation as a godly young man amongst other religious people. The mother is happy now. He will be safe. She only wishes Jesus would take notice and follow her son's good example. <laughs> Thus endeth the Facebook post. Do you know that I trust in God because of the way I spend my money? Or do you know that I trust in God because of the way I spend my life? If you put your own personal pronoun into those questions, it should kick you in the gut like it does me. Can you tell that God is a part of my life and that Jesus is the way I follow? Do you trust in God? You were created in the image of God. Don't let what it says on the money confuse you. You know who you are. Live like it. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.